Welcome to Real Talk Intervention, Episode 10. I'm Sarah Underbrink, here as always with my co-host, Stephanie Garcia. Sarah and I have several years of intensive experience in all levels of student intervention. So, you know, we're professionals in education, and also we're professionals when it comes to complaining. Yeah, you know what? We're Real Talk Intervention, and Real Talk's in the name. We are here to say what you're thinking. Yeah, we know what you're thinking and what you want to say. And really, you know, what we want to say is... Gloves are off for this one. In today's podcast, we're going to ask teachers just one question. Why are you doing that? Yeah, seriously, like why? We're going to tackle some of those common complaints. I know that you're hearing from your from your colleagues, those complaints they have with their students, their classrooms. You know, sometimes you say them and, and we've got some responses for them. And uh, our response is, is, is why? Yeah, I think we're going to have to have a two-part response because the second part is stop it. I mean, I don't want to get all Dr. <laughs> Phil up in here, but like, you know, how's that working for you? And if it's not... Let's stop. Let's stop. Uh, I'm uh, 2017, the day that we uh, quote Dr. Phil. This is oh, no. <laughs> so what we're going to try to do is kind of get a little bit fun in here, and we're going to do some role playing. So Sarah Ooh. and I have come up with a couple of our greatest hits, a compilation of Ooh, our greatest hits yes. there. My greatest hits of complaints. Excellent. Yes, the now complaints, 2017. Ooh, the now compilation <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go through these with a little bit of role playing and then we're going to kind of talk about what the research says, what our experience tells us. And we're going to be we're going to be as, as upfront and as honest as we want to be. <laughs> this is why you start a podcast, y'all. This is I why we do be this. Able to say what I want. <laughs> the first one we want to talk about, I'm going to have Sarah start off as my teacher and we're going to hear this complaint that I hear all the time. All right, here we go. And scene. Ah, <laughs> oh, I am so frustrated. They just will not read the book. How am I supposed to do my job when they will not read the book? Problem is, they just don't like it. They don't want to read anything. They don't want to read. They don't want to read anything besides Twitter. They're sitting there in class. They have their books open, but I, I see them. They're on their phones. I gave them an amazing short answer worksheet. I mean, but I'm not seeing any actual analysis. I, I, I put it into Google, and all of their answers were directly copied and pasted from Spark Notes. They're not even trying. Okay, so I'm gonna ask a question. Um, did you ever sit down with your students and discuss why this book is important or ask for their input about if they want to read it? I have no problem with whole class novels that are put into context where either you've discussed while you're reading it with the kids and they are on board or they have some sort of stake in why it would be important for them. I want them to be able to spend some time analyzing as a group with us. I do. But small amounts of time like on a short story or a poem to show them how to do it and then you use the books to help them get that transfer we have to be able to create readers who will want to read all these classics because they have the the skills to be able to do that and they don't just read the classics that we think are classics but they they read all sorts of classics because they love reading they want to read 
making them spend four to six weeks on a book that actually might be torture isn't going to create a reader. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I know that they enjoy those book projects. My question is, do they enjoy the book as it is or do they enjoy all the extra scaffolding, the dressing up, the projects, the inquiries, everything that we're doing to make that book interesting? Are we really showing them how to love and analyze texts or are we teaching them that books are only side orders for all the good stuff that we're doing? I want them to walk out of my classroom going, I love books, not I love this project. For me, everything comes down to one issue. We have to have a situation where kids are reading authentically. To take this thing that can be this authentic, enjoyable experience that that reading can be, that, that, that can create empathy and create wonderful conversations, and turning it into this rote memorization, comprehension, extravaganza. I just want us to make sure that what we're doing is not trying to create cultural capital with these books, but we're trying to create readers. This is one of your pet project books. You really, it really spoke to you. I mean, is that fair that we're saying that you get to teach what you think is important and not the standards? Because that's one of the things that we're looking at in Texas. There's nothing in our standards that says we have to teach a certain book. There's nothing in our standards that says we even teach books. So if we're skills-based and we can do anything we want in our classroom that has to do with those skills, then why are we reading a book that nobody wants to read? Is it helping them become readers? Is it helping them become better thinkers? They're not reading the book. So why are you reading that book? Stop. That was that was great, Stephanie. That was that was awesome. That made me laugh. You know what? That was a very Englishy response. I've got another one. Very common complaint. Right. I don't think it's necessarily just the science. Uh, why don't, why don't kick it over to me, Stephanie? Oh, I I'm so frustrated with these kids. They just will not turn in the assignments. I I don't understand it. I gave them plenty of time. I explained it a million times, and it's so easy. Give me a break. You had the whole weekend and you couldn't find the time to cut out this printable, write the definition, highlight this passage. It's it's just laziness. Come on. It's not hard. Well, uh, why, why are you giving them these assignments? They need to do something with this concept. They've got to learn the vocabulary words, so that's why we have them copy those vocabulary words out of the textbook. I mean, they have to do something. Do they? I mean, do do they have to do something? I mean, look, we're, we're not doing assignments here for the purpose of doing assignments. And if the assignment isn't challenging, if it isn't meaningful, and you know it isn't meaningful, guess what? Your students know it too. They see that that assignment is easy and pointless. They get that it is not impacting their learning. You may feel like you are doing your students a big favor because you're like, well, I have to get so many grades and I'm going to give you this very simple way to generate grades. We're not generating grades for the goal of generating grades. We're doing assignments so that students can learn. If it's a meaningless, easy assignment, they are not going to do it. They are 
more likely to do a difficult, meaningful, authentic learning assignment that takes them hours of hard work than they are to, uh, to do your printable, than they are to copy your vocabulary words out of the textbook and into the notebook. The number one complaint that I get from students every single day is that the things they are doing do not help them learn. And you have a certain number of students in your classroom who they're going to do the assignment. They don't care that it doesn't help them learn. That doesn't mean anything to them because they want that grade. But your other students, maybe they have things they have to do after school. Maybe they have jobs. Maybe they don't have families. Or you know what? Maybe they just suck and they're lazy <laughs> and they don't want to do school. You know what? Maybe that is what it is. Either way, they value their time for whatever reason. You don't get to say how they use their time. They're going to use their time in ways that impact them. And your meaningless, easy assignments that are meant to bring up their grades doesn't help them, doesn't do anything for them. They're not going to do it. So why are you giving them that easy grade generating assignment? Stop. Stop it. <laughs> We've got so many kids right now. Yes, ma'am, I'll do whatever you want. Uh, I'll just do it. I don't even care. But then we've got a lot of kids who are not doing that. And I don't necessarily want a compliance-driven classroom. Do you, Sarah? Oh, yeah, that's a great that's a great sentence. Are you going for compliance from your students or are you going for learning? Zeros are just not inspiring to any kids to learn more. They, they might make compliant kids do the work quickly just to save their grades, but they're not learning at that point. But I've seen a zero kill an average so badly that it can make trying to catch up look meaningless to a really uninspired kid. So they're not even going to learn anything by accident at that point. Stephanie, I've got, I've got another one for you. I think this is one. This is not an English or a science or a math. I think this one goes across content. Let me toss this one out at you. All right. All right. Oh my gosh, my students all failed the common assessment. They failed the test. My average score was a 55. This is ridiculous. I did this huge test review. None of them paid any attention. They had all the notes. The notes were all in their notebooks. I mean, I'm up there. I'm working my butt off. I'm giving them all the information. I'm getting every single piece of information. I'm handing out gold. I told them what was going to be on the test. Question number 17, I actually had that question on the board the night before. Before they knew it was going to be tested. But you know what? They all acted like this was totally new information. No one has ever shown them this before. I'm like, I went over this for four weeks. I made a cahoot. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I, I've been guilty of this, uh, you know, the idea that we have to do this review. What the research is showing is that it's actually working against our long-term goals. Test review can be effective or ineffective for that short-term memory building that's going to be isolated to that one task. So there's a task they have to get done, they do the review, they accomplish the task, and then what happens is all that stuff goes away because it's task-oriented. If we want them to be successful, we have to move past that task orientation. If you want to have effective reviews, you don't do a review before. You talk about some of the concepts, you provide information on how to go through their notes and how to study. You're allowing them to recall some of the information, but you're not giving them a direct layout of exactly what's on the test because what you want them to do is you want them to struggle. When you create a test that's not just recall, 
And then they can take that understanding that they've gotten in your class and apply it in this new situation, they do a lot better. And then a second level that helps with that is instead of doing the review before the test, you review after the test. This is actually where long-term memory is created. After you've taken that test, you really feel like A is the right answer on number three. And so you will always remember the right answer as A on number three, whatever that answer is. And that has created more of a memory than any of that review that you have done prior to that because you struggled and you've come up with the answer out of your brain and that is the answer. And what's happened is you've now solidified that wrong information in those kids' minds. But if you're doing a test review after and you go through and problem solve or go through a process where they have to rethink something, you can help their scores because that's what the test review is for is so that they have good scores and you look like a good teacher, right? So you can help their scores this way, but you're not also creating this short-term memory. You've increased their transfer at that point because they've used the information authentically. There's, there's so many better ways to approach this than this long lecture, worksheet, outline-driven test review beforehand. And I would love to be able to talk about this, but this is probably like a really long podcast at some other point. So I'm going to go ahead and stop right here. At the end of the day, your students that are going to use your test reviews are going to use your test reviews. They're not the students you need to use your test reviews. So, you know, the students that are using your test reviews, they've got study skills. They know how to start applying information so that they can transfer that into authentic experiences. Your students who need the review, first of all, they're, they're not going to use it. Second of all, they need a lot more scaffolding from you in how to do that. And I think the, the great point there is making it into an actual authentic experience, which is going back and working into that test as opposed to that test just being a thing that just happens and then they move on from it and they never really see it again. So <laughs> let's move on to our last complaint, our very last complaint of this podcast. I think this is, this is a good one. These kids do not care. They don't care about their education. They don't care about school. I told them over and over and over again that they are failing my class. Nancy has a zero in my class. I mean, I told her she needs to turn in her summative assessment or she is not going to pass. And you know, you know what she did? Nothing. Nothing. She doesn't what? care. Nothing. She doesn't what? care. Why does what? she care that she's failing? She did nothing? She did oh nothing. Oh, my God. Oh my god. So uh wait, so question. Um why why are you harassing her about her grades? Uh okay, it's not harassing. I mean, she has to pass. She has to get a good grade to pass. Hello, she needs the credit. We're trying to graduate. But, wait, 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 but I'm I'm confused because you you said she doesn't care about her grade. So, why are you trying to motivate her with things that she doesn't care about. I, I feel like this is not exactly a, a shocking statement to say that if a kid is allowing their grade to slip into the teens, that the grade they are getting in your class is not motivating to them. There is no magic number that their grade needs to get to that's going to make them suddenly wake up and go, oh, oh my gosh, no, that's it. That's the unacceptable number. I was cool when I had a 22, but now 
now, now that I see a 13 on there. Oh, boy. This has been the wake-up call that I needed. I, I need to get my stuff together here. If you have a student who is not motivated by grades, then continuing to punish them with lower and lower grades is not going to change their behavior. What? In fact, this is going to have the exact opposite effect because it will make them feel that their failure is so incontrovertible. It is so inevitable that there is literally no point to even try at all. So as you dig that grade hole deeper and deeper and deeper, or even worse, when you get them down to a 12 and then you let them turn in three or four meaningless assignments and bump them up to a 70, you are Um... not encouraging them to care about their grade. You are not tying their grade to their learning and you are not motivating them. So why are you motivating your kids with things that they don't care about? Stop. Uh. <laughs> this one in particular it hurts me insane. I don't know what to tell you. They don't care about grades. So that's not going to work. You need to find other avenues of how to motivate them. You need to get to them in other ways. And the theme of this episode is authentic assignments, authentic learning experiences that move your students forward. I think too often we feel that when we have unmotivated students who do not want to be in school and who feel like failures in school, that the way we are helping them is making things easier for them by reducing their assignments, reducing their workload, giving them a lower lower level of of work and making stuff easier. And it's so easy for you to get the grade. This is not going to work with your intervention students. They don't need things to be easier for them. They need to be effectively challenged. Not so challenged that they have no chance of ever making it, but given a challenge that's within their level so that they start experiencing what it feels like to be good at school. Nothing is more motivating than success, but success that is meaningful, okay? Yeah. So if, if I want to lose weight and you're like, hey, look, you were successful. You didn't eat the fourth donut. Good job. <laughs> you know, that's not motivating. But if you, but again, I'm not going to go out with you, Sarah, and enter an Iron Man, okay? That's not motivating either. So I need something in my zone of proximal weight development, all right? I need someone to help me get where I need to go in small steps, able for me to be successful at doing you're listening to this and you're recognizing yourself i recognize myself a lot girl i'm (laughs) sorry you're recognizing yourself as a teacher in any stage i mean the thing about it is we've all been here we've all done these things i mean we've either done them in the past or we're doing them right now or we know they're not the right things to do but we just don't know what to do now you know, I think we say these things because teaching is so stressful. We are getting it from all directions. Parents, kids, administrators, politicians. We hear it from ourselves, from our own inner minds. I just hope that after today, yeah, we've been we've been poking fun at things a little bit, but we we want you to have permission to just leave those negative practices behind you. Don't think about why you have to do these practices that you've always done with these kids, but instead think about what you want your kids to be and what do you want them to be able to do? And then what learning experiences are going to help them get there?
this is why you know subscribing to Real Talk Intervention on our blog or on iTunes is going to really help you out. We are going to talk about this journey that we have. We've already done, if you're interested in learning a little bit more about how you can create assignments for students that is in their proximal zone of development. Episode five, where we talked about uh, Marzano Research's uh, standards-based, competency-based, individualized, personalized education system. I suggest you go go check that out. Start there. Listen to some of our English language learner podcasts where we talk about differentiating for English language learners. The secret to getting beyond the complaints-based classroom is by individualizing your approach to your students, to your colleagues. So, I'm going to trademark um, that. Complaints-based classroom. The compl- that's a, you're right. T-M. Trademark. T-M. There's an R after that with a little circle in it. We will find you on the internet if you use this. No, it's probably already out on the internet. Let's be yeah, honest. Everything, everything is already out on Everything's the internet. Everything's already been done on the internet. <laughs> Including us, including us, we are on the internet. Uh, Realtalkintervention.blogspot.com is where we're blogging. We're podcasting uh, on iTunes and on Stitcher. We are um, also posting our our podcasts on Blogspot, so you can download and listen to us there if you don't have a podcast app. We're on Twitter at Intervene Number Four Real, and we are on Facebook. Please like us on Facebook. We're pushing out all sorts of exciting instructional strategies and great links and research on Facebook. All the time so you want to be a part of of that resource so please follow us in one of those places and uh, join us next time in episode 11 where we are going to be talking about individual graduation committees we've got some uh, legislation coming out that we're going to look at and talk about how uh, graduation requirements are constantly changing in the state of texas and uh, what we think about that sarah we are in double digits for our podcast we are double digits. Double what? digits. Hi, All right. <laughs> we're yeah. We're we're basically professionals in education, complaining, and podcasts. Awesome. We will see you guys next time. Thanks for listening.